There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, hustlers. We know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business or, let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you. Introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Say goodbye to the stress of remembering tax dates or worrying about missed payroll runs. This bundle is designed to make your life easier and your business more efficient. And here's the best part. The cost starts just at 5,000 pesos per month for businesses with up to 10 employees. Yep, you heard that right. That's just 5,000 pesos per month. So why spend another minute drowning in payroll paperwork when Sprout can revolutionize the way you manage your payroll and government requirements? Take the first step towards a more efficient business today. Visit sprout.ph slash payroll starter monthly 5K. If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode. So click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode. The Hustle Share podcast is brought to you by PDAC. PDAX is a homegrown cryptocurrency exchange that offers the best rates among local cryptocurrency exchanges. Download the PDAX app now on the Google Play Store, App Store, or Huawei App Gallery. Start trading Bitcoin, Ethereum, and other cryptocurrencies for as low as 50 pesos by signing up on podlink.co slash hustlesharepdax. Also powered by... Podmetrics, the easiest way to monetize your podcast. Sign up now at podmetrics.co for free and use the code HUSTLESHARE. My parents used to tell me that, you know, the, the life that we enjoy or the life that we've been enjoying is a product of all the hard work that they've done ever since. And even though, you know, we have like unlimited money, if we don't do any hard work, if we don't make an effort, it's eventually all going to die down. Welcome to HUSTLESHARE. The podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences, but that our hustles are very much alike. Now here is your host, Ronster Beitiong. Welcome to the latest episode of the Hustle Share Podcast. We are at it again. The whole metaverse has completely just unraveled. Because if you've just been uh, reading this past week, There is not just one now. There's two of them, just like the Spider-Man that you have. There's two, and it'll eventually there'll become a multiverse of all these companies who just raised from um, A16Z. Andreessen Horowitz. This time, another Filipino startup, uh, again, who is in the Web3 metaverse, whatever you want to call it. 
who just raised ten million dollars, and of course, we gotta give them roses, and we gotta get them to talk about how they did it. And we have their founder and CEO, Mr. Rens Chong of Reader Welcome to the show, Rens. Hey, Ron. Thanks for having me again. Uh, I'm blown away. Ten million dollars, A16. A16Z. And again, I've heard about you before you even um, went, you dropped this bomb. Because shout out to Gabby Dizon of YGG, who we've had here a few months ago, who was our first um, entry into like, what the hell is this, these DAOs and all these things that the, the YGG play to earn movement? And look at this. And he said it right. A few months ago, he said that, hey, this is just a start. There's a lot more coming up that's just going to blow your minds away. And again, he was absolutely right. And uh, this is now the beginning of what's exciting. We're just in January 2022. If you're listening to this, uh, again, months after, we're, talk- we're, we're doing this interview January 2022. And can you imagine what more will happen in the next coming months? But before I get carried away, Renz, I need to ask you the million-dollar question. Renz, what's your hustle? Thank you for that, Ron. You know, ever since college, I've been hustling a lot, like doing org, doing academics, uh, doing competitions. So it's really in my nature, in my blood. Uh, my parents have been hustling for their all their life. I've been they've been doing a lot of like businesses, opening like retail stores. Uh, if you're familiar with my family, the entire clan is basically in the business of hustling. And so right after college. You know, uh, maybe a typical track for someone of uh, maybe a typical track for someone who graduated from the same school as I am with the same course uh, goes into consulting. We call ourselves like, you know, the jack of all trades, master yep. of none. And so that's why you go into consulting. So we're able to try like different uh, industries uh, and experience like uh, a lot of things. Right. Uh, but even with that consulting role, um, I was simultaneously handling my family business, which is not you know, small, by the way, uh, I'm not going to go, uh, I'm not going to dive deep into like uh, all the things that I've done, but basically my work schedule is like 9am to 3am. So from wow. nine to three, I would be in my family business, you know, managing uh, the entire thing uh, from finance, from HR uh, to accounting, and then even like the general operations. And then 3am uh, to 3am, I would be in my consulting work. Um, and typically our clients there would be based in the US, which is why I'm able to oh do that. Yeah, yeah, That was my work life. Uh, well, yeah. there's no life in it, but it's, it's all work right, for me, yeah. uh, uh-huh. especially when I graduated uh, college. And then right after that, you know, um, after two years of doing that, I kind of took a break. But after a few months, I realized, you know, it's not for me to be only doing like one thing, which is like managing a family business. And so immediately after, I took on like another consulting role, um, this time with Angas, uh, one of the there largest startups in the Philippines. Yes. So shout out George yeah, I, and Angeline. So there you go. Yeah. Hey, George. Hey, and so yeah, um, basically, um, my entire life, I've been always doing like not only one, two, uh, at one point I was all, all also doing like three jobs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even right now while managing Breeder Dow, um, I'm also doing a lot of things on the side. And that's not to say that I'm not focused, you know, yeah. uh, it's more of like, even, even, even all the people in, in our, in our, in our company, we always, uh, we always kind of like advocate for, for 
um, having that something, yeah, yeah, outside of your typical uh, or, or your your business as usual, right? Mm-hmm. Because we believe that anything that they do, um, any growth that they experience outside of this space, will ultimately translate to them being able to contrib- contribute more into the business. And so, you know, um, we we appreciate like everyone out there who's really hustling, and we we encourage everyone to to really do uh, some hustle on the side. And that's amazing. I'll just again j- just zero in because you kind of gave us already a glimpse of what's gonna happen after. Uh, the what's your hustle question but for people who are here and are now pretty much hooked like oh man this guy knows what he's been doing he's been doing it for a while what is breeder now to be to just explain it in the most layman term as possible okay maybe to give you an idea it's basically like the factory uh, or like a factory right um Comparing it to YGG, YGG focuses on the demand side of things or player liquidity side, where it gets like scholars to play for for these games. What we do is um, we take on the other side of the equation, which is the supply side, essentially generating these assets for the games for the scholars to be able to Mm -hmm. play. So that's how you should. Um, so you're it. you're making NFTs again. If you're living on the rock for the past six or nine months, I don't know what you've been doing, but. The Philippines now is the number one country in terms of NFT ownership. That has to mean something. And that's why we're the epicenter and the, of all this growth. But NFTs are non-fungible tokens. Again, these are the ones that are technically un, uh, are, are tokens or what's the proper term? Uh, assets that are, not, that are unique in nature and that you own it. And again, uh, it can't be multiplied because again, it's built on the blockchain. But before... We get carried away. You already gave us a glimpse of who you are and how you started hustling. And I want to do a deep dive of that. But I need you to buckle up, my man, because we're going to have to ride the Hustle Share time machine. So we're here. We are all the way back. You told us you've been hustling for a while. And here's, again, what, what I want to understand, because I believe that not or, or it's rare, or I actually believe that no entrepreneur is born. Everything is forged by fire. We all start differently. Some of us have, uh, we're, are lucky to, to have the access to mentorship and having immediate um, experience from a young age. And some, you know, take that on later in life. And you had that already, you said. Just, just to give a little bit of a background, you mentioned that you've been managing the family business. Now, I want to, without delving too much, how big is this family business and what industries are you guys in? Because if you were contributing very early, I want to understand how early did you get to the game and how, um, what are the first things that you had to do? Yeah, so maybe I started when I was like around 12 years old. Um, my family used to own like, if you're familiar with retail clothing, G2000. Oh, um, yeah, so 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 we, we used to own that. Now okay. it's uh, owned by Robinsons. They actually bought it from us like after uh, last few years. But yeah, so so when I started, you know, I didn't start off as you know a managerial role, right? Um, where I was just bossing around people and telling them what to do. Right? <laughs> so when I started, I actually started from the ground, um, from an fine ground. What were what, what, salesman? What okay, wow. to, to selling these clothes to to wow. the customers to cashiering um, 
you know, actually swiping the credit cards or collecting payments um, from these individuals. And I was always, I would always do it during a sale where, where there's like, you know, a lot wow. of manpower. I mean, I, 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 I still remember the time that uh, I would go to like um, a mega mall sale and, you know, people were just like going in and out. Like it, it was right. super packed and it's like, you don't even have time to breathe because if you do, people are going to be like, <laughs> what is wrong with his intern right <laughs> why is he taking so time yeah. why is he taking like a lot of time to even like swipe my credit card so so yeah um you know that's basically how i started that's basically how i was how i how i was how, how i was molded um and i think it's pretty typical for like any chinese family um and, and it's like you know it's like your internship um some people treat it as like you know um child labor or like why, why are these like Chinese <laughs> no. parents forcing no. people or forcing their kids to, to start at that early age but I think it's like a good practice right and Absolutely. and it allows you to uh, get a sense of what life really is you know right after you 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 exit like college or you know um it's actually an experience that yeah I, I kind of encourage right uh, I mean of course not everyone has like their own business where they can do like some sort of internship right but again from 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 your intro right a side hustle for for anyone at any particular age is definitely going to be a good experience and and again no, there's nothing better the uh, there's no better teacher right than experience especially at a young age where it's formative and you understand what's at stake and how do you then navigate the skills because at the end of the day you can learn all the theories at school and be disconnected to the real world but if you go out there and realize that oh my god this is completely different than um, what I studied, then you, you have that disconnect. And I've seen this narrative with a lot of Chinoy um, people that they know they made to contribute at an early age. Their summers, they're not vacationing, you know, they are out there trying to hustle and pave the way. But when it came to the, uh, to the time that they needed to step up, they were already ready because they started uh, early. But I want to d- dig in deeper uh, into that. Yep. With especially from the perspective of your parents, because again, it's easy to just throw your child and hey, make do this, whatever, right? But what is what are the mindset or what are the lessons that your parents taught you in order to prepare you for these types of roles and that that really stick with you till now? I think three things. <clears throat> the most important one for me would be building relationships. My dad has been really big on like building relationships and practically like, you know, being comfortable with like talking to pretty much like anyone. So ever since I was young, you know, I was encouraged to mingle a lot with a lot of people, not just, you know, peers of my age, but even like, you know, big individuals, yeah, older people, uh, for example, like, you know, maybe even the, the, mayors or like justices so 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 it's more of like it's something that was really ingrained in us from the very beginning um we're actually six in the family and all of us actually went through like the same (laughs) like sort of like uh or training yeah yeah exactly um the second thing would be like uh what i usually call like you know grit it's maybe you know uncommon uh or maybe it's not as known, yeah. but like being like adaptable, being flexible, um, you know, in a way like being up for the task, like yeah, anytime, right? Mm. You're not supposed to shy away from anything. Uh, right. 
especially when there's like a lot of learnings to be made right. because you wouldn't really know right uh, until you've actually tried it. Mm-hmm. And maybe the third would be uh, hard work. Yes. My parents used to tell me that you know the the life that we enjoy or the life that we've been enjoying is a product of all the hard work that they've done ever since. And even though you know we have like unlimited money. I mean we don't have but even if right we have like that unlimited money. If we don't do any hard work, if we don't make an effort, it's eventually all going to die down and at the end of the day right you're just going to burn all of it and your kids are going to suffer the kids of your kids are going to suffer. Yep. So yeah. That is absolutely beautiful. Now again, you have that forged in you at an early age. And you started working early too. Again, how how long how how young were you when you were starting to do all these uh, side hustles uh, as well? I just want to understand. Yeah, maybe around 12. Wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Holy crap, that's amazing. But now on 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 the passion side, right? So you're you're side hustling again. You you had to do uh, the training that you needed. Um, were you always um, interested with games? Because again, if for you to, to come into BeaterDAO or technology at some sort, um, that has to come in early as well because I have never seen a founder in the metaverse or in the gaming space who did not love games early on in their life. What was that like for you? It's very true. You know, when I was a child, um, we would often, well, me and my friends would often like play games like nonstop. Yeah. Uh, in fact, when you have all of these like periodical exams, right, uh, and, and you would experience like a half day, supposedly you have that time <laughs> to actually study, right? What we usually do is that from 1 p.m. to like 11 p.m., we would just play. And then from 11 p.m. to like 12 a.m., that's when he study. So kind of like we use this time to actually play. And even in college, when we were, when we were you know, uh, experiencing all of these like breaks, right, yeah. um, we would use that time to actually go to like a computer shop and play so so that was a life for me and you know i used to remember my mom telling me that uh you know i mean it's not as though like i'm failing my classes right uh yeah but like i used to i I used to remember her telling me that you know you should study you know you're not gonna earn anything from that and uh look at us right <laughs> people are able to earn from these games right so, going so on like, now. hey mom yeah. what were you saying like 10 years ago <laughs> yeah here's 10 million from um a16z yo what's up <laughs> but that's amazing so and you, you, uh, one thing that you also said uh in your intro and, and when you said the the you know um answered what's your hustle technically you, you said that Another path that uh, a lot of uh, youngins that come in is go into consulting and you become a jack of all trades, which is also important. Just imagine coming in, the type of training you're coming in. Early, young age, you already know how to hustle to build the grit, which, by the way, is hard to teach because you only do, you learn grit through repetition and by failing and being pushed to the limit. Yeah. You can't learn grit like, oh, I learned grit overnight. That doesn't have to, that doesn't work. <laughs> That's right? true. You you learn grit by going out of your comfort zone and pushing yourself to the limit and remove any type of entitlement out of your body. That's when you learn grit and that's where you also go even healed. But you couple that up with real life business skills that you can learn from, uh, you know, being a business analyst in like Mitchell Madison, right? What were those skills that you learned that are high level that prepared you for the next stops that you did? Two main things, actually. The first one would be the hard skills. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, just being in consulting allows you to be able to con- or, or teaches you how to consume all of these data and present it in a manner that, you know, people would be able to understand or gotcha. clients would be able to understand, right? Mm. Um, the second thing would be like dealing with all of these like executives, right? Part of the job in consulting is being able to pitch to your clients and really being able to face them and tell them that this is the path that you need to take. Mm. So even at a younger age or, or like, uh, you know, an entry-level consultant, mm-hmm. you're kind of trained to be able to face them and to right. be able to assure them or to make it seem like you really know what you're doing yeah, and that this is the best course of action for your company, even though I've only, you know, done my research uh, or yeah. even though I've only studied it for like two months. Correct. And yeah. you did this for months. two years. Yep. And I want to understand, again, straight out of college, Mateo, and then you, you did that. What was the most uh, intimidating moment that you remember? It's like, oh, my God, I'm number crunching. And you're not just number crunching for somebody else to pitch. You're going to have to freaking make sense of this to people, again, as you said, who are higher uh, in, a, in a higher weight class, per se, and convince them to take action based on the data that you, you, you did. Can you talk about any experience that you, you remember that were very formative and profound uh, during this time? I think it was actually my last project in the okay. company where we had to come up with this machine learning model for a wow. Salesforce company. And we didn't have like any machine learning background or any data analytics background. Okay. I mean, we did some sort of like uh, data analysis, right, for, for a few projects like before that, but... I mean, we were tasked to do something even more uh, that's not even like part of our scope uh, or like yeah. our skill set, right? We do have a junior partner who's very much into machine learning and essentially he's the one tasked to come up with an actual model. Yeah. But just being part of that group and you know, trying to come up something that you're also not sure how to do. Mm. Essentially, like telling these executives that you know what you're doing despite not even knowing what it is that you're going into or like mm. what you're getting into right i think that's the hardest part uh and it's not just you know actually presenting yourself to them in a manner that uh they would think that you really know or they would believe that you would really know what you're doing yeah. but also on the side when you would think like how do we actually come up with these projects because it's not as though like you know it's not all about presentation right you would yeah. need to deliver of course yeah. and having that uh project for like a good two months and every day thinking about like how we can make this work or what are the levers that would actually drive or or what are the factors that could really affect this machine learning model and every day would brainstorm in and out yeah we were in the u.s at that time but we would work almost like 24 hours wow (laughs) just because of like you know uh just because of like the nature of the job and i guess like the nature of the project and wow. we're entering like uh, you know a different territory. It's something that we don't understand. We're very much unfamiliar with. Yeah. Our company was very used to like sourcing, uh, essentially reducing the raw material prices, and now we're entering the space which is machine learning, which is something that not a lot that not a lot of people are also familiar with. Right. And you know, not definitely not the expertise of the company or even my colleagues or myself. That's amazing. All right. Last question before we take our first break. You joined Dankas in October 2019 all the way to December 2020 as their driver loyalty and retention head. Dude, you joined them in the at the start of the pandemic and your responsibility 
was to retain people when you can't even acquire and your operations are all in shambles. What the hell? What 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 are the things that you guys did? Because October 2019 was Angkas heyday, right? All the yep. way till Christmas. I remember I, I rode a couple Angkases because I couldn't get anywhere using my car. Right? It didn't make sense. And it totally, again, uh, changed after March 2020. And yep. this is a formative for sure on your, in your end. But talk about what, what, what happened there and what did you learn? Yeah, so maybe before I dive deep into like the, the, what happened during the pandemic, right? Or how we actually yeah. shifted. Our, 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 let me go back um, to October when we were experiencing really high growth and yep. were unable to like, you know, serve like our demand. Yes. In fact, when I entered uh, Angkas, it was at the peak of Angkas when we yep. were doing, you know, close to like, uh, well, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to disclose this, Sorry. but we're doing like, you know, five to six digits of rides uh, on a daily basis. Wow. And that's a lot, right? Uh, during peak hours, uh, typically like seven to like 9 a.m. or, or six to nine, 9 a.m. and yeah. like maybe four to like 7 p.m. Yep, peak hours. Yeah, peak hours. Um, the allocation that we're only able to provide, or the or the demand that we're able to serve, is only roughly like forty to fifty percent. Wow! So you needed supply, and again, and that's already yes. a prelude to what you're doing now. <laughs> yeah. So so part of my task yeah. is like, you know, to be able to think about like how we're able to motivate or incentivize these bikers, so they would actually be encouraged to go out during these peak hours and cater to that demand, which again, as I've mentioned, we're unable to serve. So it's like, you know, do I touch on increasing the total number of active bikers? Do I touch on improving the efficiency of each biker? If so, how would I do that? Right. And there are a bunch of things that we tried, you know, giving monetary incentive, yep. creating all of these projects, providing even HMO and like government benefits to all of yep. these like uh, drivers, just so they're able to- I remember George uh, just so talking they're about motivated. that. Yep. Mm. Yeah. And so a lot of these projects we actually did, and maybe to give you like an idea, I started off with Ankas as like more of like a consultant or a project manager. I wasn't really going to go like full time because as mentioned, right, I was doing my family business as well. Right. So it was quite hard for me to balance that. Uh, but like, you know, after some time, everyone was like, you seem to be doing like a full-time job anyway. Why don't I offer you this position? And now you're managing a team, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> they like, you okay. both on. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. That was my term. Yeah. But yeah, um, and then, you know, as if that wasn't enough. So we also did a, an app migration. I don't know if you're familiar, but yep. you've been using the app, right? So we also did the, uh, uh, the, the app migration. And I yep. was basically spearheading the efforts, especially in the biker app, because... I don't know if you're wow. also familiar, but there's actually two uh, apps um, when it comes to like Ankas. There's actually the customer yep, the app and, and the, the biker, biker app. Yep. And for the biker app, I was basically the one in charge because I understand like product and I, I understand like the bikers, right? Yeah. So yeah, so so that was a bit heavy for us. Um, we were we were serving like a lot of demand, much more that we can, uh, than we can take. Yeah. And then we were also simultaneously migrating to a different app, oh, no. <laughs> which is something that we didn't expect to happen during that time frame. All right. Okay. No, so, I think so, I know so, what triggered it, but I will not talk about it here. Okay. Yes. <laughs> That's not important here. Yes. But yes. It's called so, about yeah, APIs, then, technically. That's uh, all. Yeah. No, yeah. you can tell. You can tell. From a user point of view, from a supply point of view, I mean, I coming from a tech startup background, you realize, you, you, you notice like, oh, this is different, right? And yep. I, you can always trace it back. Like, I know 
the back end and whatnot. But it's all good. Now, um, last question. Pandemic. Yeah. So you, so you, you got boodled in into this. <laughs> <laughs> Pandemic hit. And you're yeah. in charge of retention. My goodness. How did that even happen? Okay. That one was super hard. That one was really, really hard. Because that came after... Um, that came after the regulatory, all the regulatory yeah. issues, right? When we were asked to downsize our fleet. Um, yeah. Not sure of the exact numbers, but mm. essentially we have like 40,000 and we were asked to downsize to like close to like, you know, I think below like 20,000. Yeah. So driver morale was very low because we had to choose like, you know, which bikers are going to be retained yeah. in the program versus which bikers are going to be kind of like the app. The like Noah's Ark. Choosing the yeah. animals that you're exactly. only going to put in the freaking Exactly. Boat. Yeah. And then the pandemic didn't add because oh, now yeah. that we've downsized our fleet, these guys are now, or all of them rather, are now unable to even participate. Yeah. Because, you know, it's unsafe and like right. it creates like, you know, Contact. a wider spread, at least like that's how they phrased it. And so we stopped operations. We shifted from, um, Ferrying passengers to Padala, which is like deliveries. Yep. That was the first move. Wow. And, you know, even if the, the delivery services were skyrocketing during the pandemic because no one was able to, uh, no, no one was allowed to go out, right? Yeah. At least during the start. Mm-hmm. Ancas wasn't known for that. Yeah. And so the app itself wasn't built for that. It wasn't optimized to allow for you to be able to. Um, choose what kind of packages you want delivered. Yep. It doesn't allow for you to determine like the the weight or like the kinds of bikers yeah. that you will need. For example, with a with a with a bag or without a bag, right? Correct. So, simultaneous to that, we were also fixing the app to oh accommodate that. <laughs> <laughs> and so we were like, this is a nightmare, oh, you know. So, so we did like all sorts of things, right? Yeah. We were trying partnership with SM. Um, which I also spearheaded. Um, so having you know personal shoppers, I don't know if you've also seen that, but yep. that was an initiative of SM Enangas. Um, and then we also you know pivoted to a lot of things, maybe delivery even. Angkas uh, mm. Foodala, um, that's what we called wow. it before. So yeah, um, there's a lot of things that we did, you know, to try and create demand for all of these bikers to also increase their motivation. At one point, we were also giving out like, you know, guaranteed minimum pay just so they don't feel as though they're going to waste time. So whether or not they actually do a delivery um, with, with, with the likes of SM, right, they would be get, they, they would get paid um, just for showing up. That's amazing. Um, and so we did a lot of things. Uh, <laughs> we did a lot of like changes to the, yeah, core business model. Uh, just because we weren't allowed to operate uh, yeah. uh, with our um, passenger services, right? And you guys yeah, pulled it, it off. It, that, that's 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 impressive. Yeah, I mean, hats off to the team now, right? They're they're slowly recovering from yeah. from this. Finally, and hats oh, off to Josh. Uh, hats yeah. off to like George for being able to yeah. really fight for like passenger uh, services. That's amazing. All right, now let's take our first break, and when we come back, let's now talk about your journey when you took the jump. To now become the breeder Dell or the, the daddy breeder. I don't know what you call yourself as well. <laughs> I call well, myself the chief breeding officer. Chief breeding officer. That doesn't sound uh, morally right sometimes. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about that more after the break. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey guys, I have a very, very exciting opportunity I want to share with you guys. If you're a B2B startup founder, listen up. Your ticket to growth is here. Introducing Impact 24, the Philippines' largest B2B SaaS challenge. Calling all startups in their pre-launch, pre-seed, or seed stages. This is your chance to accelerate their growth. Submit your pitch to Impact24 and get ready for a 10-week intensive program to elevate your solution. What's in it for you? How about up to 500,000 pesos in MVP project support, exclusive credits from industry partners, personalized mentoring, and a shot to pitch at SASCON PH, the country's biggest SAS conference this April. But yo, you gotta hurry up because submissions close on January 26, 2024 already. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your startup to new heights. Apply now at saschallenge.ph. That's saschallenge.ph. And good luck and I'll see you guys in Impact 24. And we're back from the break. We are still with the Chief Reading Officer of ReaderDAO, who then told us this amazing background, again, uh, of, of how he was able to establish grit in the skill set. But all of this is just going to be a prelude to what you are going to build. Now, I want to understand, uh, Renz, how did you decide to take the leap? Because after Ancas, I don't know what you did le- after end, end of 2020. 2021 was going to be pivotal and how that would be. What did you do next, and how did that tie up into now going into crypto, going to metaverse, and going to play to earn? Yeah, so I think everyone was just shocked with the pandemic, right? Yeah. No one was able to move out or, or like do pretty much like anything, right? We all thought that it was just going to be like a six-month thing at most, right? Yeah. But now it's extended to like two years. So two years and counting. After Ancash, I jumped to another startup. I'm not going to dive deep into that because yeah. that didn't work out as well. Okay. But that startup actually led me to where I am now. Mm. The guy who invested in that startup also got me into crypto again because I was in crypto back in 2017. But wow. I kind of stopped um, like most people. Mm. Um, well, I didn't really stop. It's more of like I toned down. Because you just hold like, at that point. Yep. I, I, I pretty much lost like 99% of my holdings. Or oh my God. So I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll just stop first and uh-huh. then go back to it when it's, you know, maybe like 
1000x mo. <laughs> so, so, so yeah, like wow. like a typical degen, right? A crypto degen, you know. That, mm. that that's my story. And so, yeah. you know, that investor got me back into like crypto. Um I became like super deep into it. Started yeah. studying about DeFi, NFTs. Uh and that investor is also part of like the YGG ecosystem. Which is why, mm. uh, which brought me really to the GameFi, uh, to the entire GameFi, and to the entire like gaming or Web three uh, play to earn space. Yeah. So but I want to I want to ask. Sorry. Um. Uh, yeah. I want to ask one thing. Twenty seventeen was ICO heyday. Nobody even wants yes. to fucking say that now. It's such a. Yep. It left. <laughs> it's it it uh, it burned so many people, and it's like rug pull over rug pull over rug pull, more yep. pumps and dumps. But what was different in 2017, 2018 to how different, uh, what what was the difference between the crypto ecosystem? Because I still see a lot of new coins, there's Dogecoin now and whatnot, but a lot of the coins that were popping out, these ICOs back in 2017 were, again, probably 99% of them were just busts or a lot of scams. Now it's different. These have real life... uh, you know, usage, and then you can literally build on top of it. And again, a precursor to play to earn NFTs and all these things. What was, was the main difference between those two two times? Well, to me, it's the increase in utility, right, of crypto in general, which makes it easier for, for masses such as us to be able to understand it. Um, DeFi, for example, is a very uh, important, like, uh, I guess what I call like an upgrade uh, or like yeah. a development, like in the space, right? being able to borrow money, being able to um, generate interest from um, unutilized money at an uh, at rates that are, you know, four times or five times or even 10 times, like typical bank interest rates. You would rather put your money now uh, on a stable coin than, you know, leave it in a bank. Yeah. Just because the rates are pretty high or are like way higher, right? Um, play to earn is another development being able to fully own um, these assets instead of the game developers owning them is also a huge step right Mm -hmm. Um, imagine playing and buying all of these stuff and then after some time like you know getting tired of the game and just exiting it is basically lost like everything that you funded into that game not only like time right but more importantly Mm -hmm. money correct Whereas with play to earn, you're able to at least salvage a portion of that value. Yep. If not, get like an appreciation uh, or like or like get additional value on top of it, right? Um, yep. From 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 asset appreciation. Mm-hmm. I think I think this is what ultimately changed the landscape, and this is what you know made it like more mainstream. Yeah, and that's amazing. And again, if you you look at Again, uh, those building blocks literally reminiscent of any type of ecosystem that happened. There's early signs of success, and then there's a big bubble that's going to burst, similar to startups, right? That happened here yep. in the early 90s, and there was dark times, and eventually people learned, and then people thrive. So inevitably, the bubble will burst again, but uh, well, that will pave the way to, to newer things. And that's what I want to understand from your point of view. So you got back into crypto, right? And this time... I think you, you you didn't turn back anymore. You turn away. What did you yeah. see, and how did the breeder DAO um, opportunity come to fruition? I think I owed this in, inspiration to well, I guess uh, again my mentor who was the investor of that startup, 
and then Gabby of YGG. Shout out after Gabby. Gabby mm-hmm. After Gabby, you know, really introduced like the entire Axie Infinity eco, uh, ecosystem, not only to me, but to, you know, most of us here in the Philippines. That sparkled something within me. It's like, you know, being able to really own your assets and being able to actually get value from it is very huge and something that hasn't been experienced before. Yeah. Again, I'm a gamer myself. So yep. that value is like pretty huge to me. Imagine being able to like sell your League of Legends skins, right? <laughs> or like... Or your Pokemon your, from before, imagine. Exactly, right? right? I mean, it's very different. And immediately I saw the value. Got it. So mid of this year, when Axie Infinity experienced like tremendous growth, right? Mm-hmm. And I was deep into like the YGG ecosystem and like mm-hmm. this uh, entire play to earn ecosystem at that time. Were you a manager? Because again... Uh, yes, uh, one point, I was <laughs> a manager. <laughs> I was also like a, a, you know, I was also playing it. So, okay. you know, in a sense, I'm also a scholar. But there you go. I don't but, uh, scholar for your own, technically. Yes, there yes, exactly. So yeah, um, again, mid of last year, um, and actually experiencing like a tremendous growth, right? I was looking, staring at the marketplace even. And what I realized is that, you know, the supply can't seem to keep up. The price of Axie Infinity even the floor ones yeah. went from like $200 to $800. Yeah. So I was That's like, crazy. you know, maybe there's actually an opportunity for us here. Mm. Right? That everyone's just too focused on like managers, scholars, guilds, but nobody's looking at it from the supply side of things or the asset liquidity mm-hmm. side of things. But in order to create like a properly balanced economy, you need like demand and supply, right? You yeah. need both demand and supply. And so I pitched it to the same investor <laughs> and I told him that, you know, maybe there's actually an opportunity here on the supply side. And, okay. you know, you're deep into the YGG ecosystem. You would know like how much demand they actually need to be able mm-hmm. to cater to all of these like individuals. Mm-hmm. And so what he did was he seeded me, you know, a capital of 180K dollars. Uh-huh. Yeah. And in less than three months, we were able to generate six million dollars in revenues. What? Are you kidding me? What? <laughs> Created close to like twenty thousand axes. Oh my! And basically God. netted like uh, one point five million dollars in profit. That and so is we were all crazy. blown away, right? Because that was also during the time that Bitcoin fell around. Yeah, you know, the Elon Musk thing. Yeah. So we were like, so not only did we actually. Uh, <laughs> Not only did we actually earn a lot of money, because we also did also. it during a time, or we did it during a bear market. So yeah. this is actually, you know, something huge, right? Uh, maybe there's actually legs here. Yeah. And so when we talked to like, you know, other guilds, um, YGG included, they were like, you know, the single biggest problem right now um, with games, or at least with guilds, yeah. is the lack of quality supply in the market. Yeah. There is no problem with uh, funding. A lot of VCs have been pouring money to guilds. Correct. Over the past year. But that's for consumption. Years. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So, so there's no money. Uh, there's no problem with, with you know, guilds or, or, yeah. or funding, right? There's no problem with demand because a lot of these individuals would appreciate that extra income, especially for people in the Philippines, right? Mm-hmm. The real bottleneck is the supply. Yes, there's a lot of like axes in the marketplace, right? There's over 500,000, there's over 600,000. But how many of these axes are actually usable or can actually generate like, you know, 120, 130 SLP? 
correct. Right. Only we're all duds. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. So so, you know, we came up with this proposal of generating assets, quality assets at that. Um, quality being, you know, providing the best value or providing like a good value to both the scholar and the guild. Uh, we we created this idea and then we didn't limit ourselves to Axie Infinity. Yep. What we've seen is that a lot of these game developers have already started building on blockchain and you know eventually it's only gonna grow from here right yeah once you've seen like triple a games being developed here there will be more and more uh there will be more and more need for um such projects like ours yeah um to be able to create like these quality assets across all games and to be able to help like guilds become more efficient and fast track their onboarding process yeah. So yeah, that's basically how we created all of this, uh, and that's how we, uh, you know, came came about Breederdown. But a couple of things that I want to ask you on on this one. It's easier said than done. And again, a lot of people will always say, like, "Yeah, why don't we do this?" But it's rare that a person with a good idea can execute it. And number two, it's also rare to build a team that can actually build it in a nascent technology because if 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 there's a dearth i mean if there's a lack of supply in the in the you know the nft marketplaces per se there's there's a bigger lack of supply of talent that can actually build shit like this how did you build the team that allowed you to net 1.5 million dollars in profit and 6 million in revenue yeah you know i feel like i was also lucky in a way um, one of the things that I told you earlier about, you know, my upbringing is that we never shy away from people and we always yes. build that relationship. See, it comes right? in handy, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so, you know, um, coming up with that kind of project, you would immediately know, like, what are the kinds of profile that you would need to be able to actually deliver and execute? And also coming from, like, you know, my, my consulting background, yeah. my, my, my experience from Ancas, you know, I'd like to say that... I've also become like a good judge of character uh, in yes. a way. And a good the most judge important of, like, trait for a founder, right? by yes. the way. Mm-hmm. Like being, a, being able to identify like the strengths and weaknesses of, of the team and, and, and of course myself, right? Correct. So, you know, it was kind of easy for me to like look for the proper fit of yeah. individuals who would fill in like the gaps uh, within the team. So my COO, co-founder, um, for example, is actually also a guild manager of 500 oh, scholars. Oh, <laughs> wow. He's also deep into like the entire blockchain, been been here um, since 2013. Wow. Uh, did a lot of like projects on the side, has six positive cash flow businesses. So a serial entrepreneur at that, <laughs> which means he's What's also What's his name? Let's to... give him roses. <laughs> his name is Jeff, Jeff Ang. Jeff Ang. Shout out to you, yeah. Jeff. There you go. Hey Jeff. <laughs> so yeah, so so I mean, it's like it's proven that this guy can deliver, right? Okay. And it's not easy for you to be able to have like six cash flow positive companies, right? right? And then at the same time, be able to generate significant cash flow for yourself in Web three. We all know how everyone got burnt, right? So <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> it's a yes. mix of that. And then my other co-founder, um, Nico Adulio, um, he's actually an ex-pilot uh, for Wow, okay. You know, um, come pandemic, right? Uh, he, so, so funny story is that he actually became like a pilot because he wanted to really code on the side. And, you know, being a pilot allows you to do that because 
after oh. you fly, right, you get that break and you're able to like do whatever you want. And for him, that's coding. So he's wow. been really passionate about coding. And, you know, after, well, with the pandemic, right, uh, only limited flights. Right. Uh, you had yeah, all the time in the world to, now. Yeah, he actually opted to like, uh, you know, um, exit PAL and then maybe go um, Web3 full time. So he's been building ever since uh, coding uh, a lot of like Web3 wow. projects and apps, right? So, and so, imagine if you already have this much traction, just give it a couple of years. You probably, you guys can probably afford to buy your own private jet and you already have a pilot. <laughs> exactly. You know, we were, we were joking here, right? For any time we now have like, you know, a conference to attend to, maybe you can just charter us to like, <laughs> that, place, <right? laughs> that can be your role and he was, wow. he was like wow so even now i'm still a pilot <laughs> <laughs> that's it's amazing okay, how yeah. many times do you how many people can you have like a cto type of co-founder as running a different uh, day job per se and build something but after those two co-founders who else did you surround yourself with because again it's great that you have a solid co-founding team that share the same vision same the same passion again you have skin in the game but what about the people that you surrounded you, yourself with? You know, at the start, and this is already like, because uh, during the proof of concept, it was just quite small or at yeah. least relatively s- small to what we're building right now. So we didn't have these guys, our individuals um, right then. And we only really um, built our team um, last November, December. Uh, wow. So how we actually did it was, you know, we took it slow. So it's not as though like we were actually rushing to build the team okay. because we were taking it slow and we were taking it one step at a time. So it was like, okay, now that we're here, what do we do next? Okay, so so now that, you know, we're, we're, we're looking at making a major announcement with A16G, yep. we definitely need a marketing person. Yep. Now that we're seeing that our ops are be uh, now that, that the ops is being constricted by the lack of manpower, we need to hire like ops manager. And so again, we took it slow. We looked at our network because I'm a firm believer of like you know getting people f- uh, via referrals, right? At least there's already that uh, a proven history. Absolutely. There's already that relationship, at least in one form or another, right? And there's already that. Uh, network that you're able to kind of refer to in terms yeah. of um, the work history, the work style, the culture. So that's how we basically did it. So we were also hiring a lot outside. We were we we we, we hired a lot of headhunters yeah. wow. to be able to like get the proper talent for us. And is but, this a global team? So I remember YGG said that a lot of their employees were not even here. You know, initially we were really gunning for like a global team, um, but for some reason, at least right now, <laughs> yeah, it's all local. Wow, with global experiences. That's amazing. So I'm actually right. proud of that because I really believe that we were able to achieve something great, even without like any global, uh, even without like in any international hires, but it goes to show as well, right? A lot of these Filipinos are able to really uh, properly like compose themselves even on an international um, setting. And that's why I'm really proud of our team because we're able to really present ourselves like really well. Um, Yeah. Just because of like our experiences, just because of our backgrounds, right? We didn't really, you know, 
we didn't really plan it to be this way. Mm-hmm. It just so happened. And now that we're here, I mean, I couldn't be even more prouder, right? That's amazing. Now, last question before we take, we take our last break. DAOs. Okay. Uh, first time I heard about this was with YGG as well. Like, what the hell is a DAO, bro? Like, I don't even know what is that. And then I started looking at it. It's like, man, this is crazy because, again, you function like a corporation. You don't have shares. You have tokens that represent your percentage of ownership, per se. Yep. And technically, you don't have a regulatory body, but the regulatory body are all your shareholders. That makes yep. it more a democratic process, depending also on the type of, you know, uh, or, or or ownership you have. How did you build your DAO um, that allowed you to scale and again tokenize? And uh, did you also go through a token sale as well uh, to to to, yep. go, to, to do yes, this? Walk I mean, we haven't rate. done it. Yeah. We haven't done sorry, like a public yeah. token sale. We're gonna do that maybe like end of March or Man. maybe. And I know what soon. happened to the token sale of YGG. <laughs> so this ten million dollars that you guys got from from A16Z is just nothing. If we once you go do your token sale, but walk me through the nitty gritty of creating a DAO. How does one create one, and what are the advantages and disadvantages of doing that, and how difficult is it? I mean, honestly, like to create a DAO, at least like on paper, is not hard, right? It's essentially just adding a DAO to your name. But converting like a proper corporation or transitioning a proper corporation to like a DAO where all the decisions is going to be or is going to course through the members, like all the shareholders. That's going to be the hard part. Yeah. And I'm not going to be... democracy at its core, technically. Exactly. Exactly. And I'm going to be totally honest and transparent here. We haven't reached that point where our members are the one driving the decisions that, you know, Breeder DAO is making at the moment. Okay. So because that's good because you need that, that control early too. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Because, I mean, we haven't even done our to- token sale, right? So we haven't yeah. even distributed it to the proper shareholders. So at this point, we're more of like a company. Mm. But, what I be- but, but what I believe would be like superior or, or like what we're going to transition with in the future is that DAO aspect where the community will have a say in the direction that Breeder DAO is going to take. Yep. And that includes like pretty much like everything from identifying like the kinds of games that we're going to go into, identifying what strategies we're going to do um, that will drive the, or deliver the, the, the maximum profit, right? Identifying what courses of action we should take, whether or not we should give back all the profits back to the shareholders or reinvest it and grow the company fund even more, right? Wow. Uh, you know, any secondary product that we're going to create through BreederDAO, whether that's in the field of data analytics or AI, right? It's all going to be part or course through the DAO. And every single shareholder has a chance to actually vote. Yeah. But it's going to take a long while before we're able to reach that. And especially, uh, and I mean, like, you would also want this, uh, you know, the proper individuals you need whales that know their vision. shit, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, not I mean, not necessarily like whales, right? But people who genuinely believes in the vision that you're trying to create, of and course. people who are with you uh, in trying to realize that vision. Correct. So it's definitely going to take a lot more time because you know how it is with like all of these tokens, right? Uh, <laughs> the first people who are going to enter are people who are looking to benefit or, or to, to to generate Rippers. that huge upside, right? Yeah. But you know, it's going to take some time before you're able to really 
kind of do a quick uh, flip. Well, yes, um, but also like kind of, uh, I guess, encourage those individuals who really yeah. believe in what you're doing to be able to come in and be actively participating in the governance of the token and the, the project. Sorry, well, last question again. Um, how does one create a DAO again? So how do you migrate from being a traditional, say, corporation where, you know, I'll have all these lawyer stuff that you need to do and turn that into a digital company that was, is, again, designed to make it democratic and anybody can buy in eventually as you do your token sale? Because I'm still befuddled on that. Like, man, is this the new way of... Uh, you know, building companies because you know we we've seen last year where people can now go exit in an IPO through SPACs. You know, it's kind of a kind of shady way to do it. <laughs> but how how do you guys do it in, as a DAO? How does one create a DAO? Because if this, what if there's another Ren Chong or someone who wants to take advantage of this and make it faster? Because again. The possibilities in Web3 are endless. You can't even fathom it from a normal startup mind. What more for, for you know, Gen Z, millennial people that are wanting to get... Even, I don't even know what, 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 what it called the generation after Gen Z is, right? Uh, but that, that's, what, that's who's coming up. Who, who's going to create new companies moving forward? But how do they start creating the infrastructure to create a company that's sustainable, uh, using the DAO method? You know, I think I'm going to take a step back okay. and veer away from like the DAO first, but focus mm. on the token idea, right? Okay. I mean, blockchain allowed for all of these tokens to be distributed pretty much like or uh, easily, right? Uh, as yeah. a more efficient, uh, in a more efficient way, rather. Mm. And because of that, like you're able to involve a lot more people and allow for more or a higher distribution for your company, which yeah. is represented, by the way, uh, by the tokens. Yeah. And so ultimately, when we talk about DAOs, uh, it stands for Decentralized Autonomous Organization. Creating a token doesn't mean like you're a DAO, right? Yes, you allowed for like a decentralized distribution of your company in the form of tokens. Yeah. But being autonomous, um, which means allowing your uh token holders to have a vote or have a say. Uh, that's a different topic altogether. And it's actually up to the project holders, to the, I guess, founders themselves to actually transition from like a corporation like where the decentralized or, or, or where, where the where majority of the token is not owned by the team, but owned by the public. Wow. So, so there's going to be like a, you know, kind of like a movement wherein everyone is going to transition to a DAO. Correct. And that's going to be a different story versus like setting up like a DAO. Because you don't set up to be like a, a decentralized autonomous organization at the start, right? Mm-hmm. You set up to distribute your tokens in a decentralized manner, um, having a lot of like uh, token holders and having mm-hmm. a lot of participants. In fact, typically a, a team only owns like roughly like 14 to 20%. And that allows mm-hmm. for like the decentralized nature of things, right? So it's like you're a public company, technically, because if you only own that much left, per se, the, the whole majority then would then sway the type of direction. Again, when you get that, that to that level where they yep. can already dictate where you're going to go. Kind of, yes. Um, and that's why I told you it's going to take a lot of time to actually reach that point, right? Because yeah. 
even though you've already distributed all of these tokens, it's not as though like a lot of these individuals would even take the time to even vote. Just because of the number of projects that are out there, just because of like the number of tokens that I hold, right? So, so it becomes like a different story. It becomes like a different, I guess, problem altogether in Got the future. It. Yeah. But so it's again, something that- You're across you know, the bridge when you get there eventually. Exactly, exactly. So we're taking it one step at a time. Okay. Um, now let's take our last break and when we come back, let's talk about fundraising aspect and how you got A16Z into the company and how you guys, again, got that 10 mil on Series A. We'll talk about that more after the break. Hey, Hustlers, it's time to talk business once again. And we're excited to share a bit more info about our sponsors, Sprout Solutions. And again, just like what I said at the start of the episode, you should check out Sprout's Payroll Starter as you grow your own startup. Because this bundle that they have is literally what you need to take your startup to the next level as you grow your employees. And this bundle is your key to freedom, including payroll outsourcing to experts, a subscription to timekeeping and attendance software, and government compliance services. Sprout's Payroll Starter has you covered for payroll, BIR, SSS, and taxes. All the stuff that no founder loves to do. So let Sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax payment stress. All this for as low as 5,000 pesos. Again, that's just 5,000 pesos all in for your payroll and HR needs. So visit sprout.eh payroll-starter-monthly-5k or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your business management game and again big thank you to sprout solutions liberating your time for what truly matters Hey, Hustlers, wish there was an easy way to open a bank account and grow your money without the hassle of lengthy application process and income documents? Well, I got good news because today's sponsor, Uno Digital Bank, is here to help you achieve your financial goals. You can easily open an account with the Uno app in just five minutes and one valid ID. And as one of the six digital banks licensed by the Banco Central ng Filipinas, the company is committed to providing customers with simpler, better, and more accessible banking. Last year, Uno Bank was recognized by the Asia Banking and Finance Awards and bagged the title Open Banking Initiative of the Year due to the success of its partnership with Gcash, one of the Philippines' leading mobile wallet platforms. And with the Uno mobile app, you can access an hashtag UnoReady savings account and enjoy daily interest crediting. With their hashtag UnoEarn or hashtag UnoBoostTime deposit accounts, you can enjoy a high interest rate of up to 6.5% per annum. Enjoy monthly payouts with hashtag UnoEarn Earn in flexible tenors with hashtag UnoBoost. Other app features include pay bills, the Uno Virtual Debit MasterCard, life insurance, scan and pay with QRPH, and phones. And the one thing that I really love about Uno Digital Bank is they're open to collaborate with a lot of Filipino startups. I've had a chance to see the partnerships that they've had lined up with the startups that they have, and it's truly exciting to see how a digital bank like Uno can enable startups to unlock the power of fintech through digital banking. So if you're ready to elevate your banking experience, download the Uno mobile app today from the Google Play Store or App Store. Or if you want to collaborate with them, I'll be happy to give you an intro. Just shoot us an email at hello at huffleshare.com. Hey, Hustlers, I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023, and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. 
not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor, Dragon Pay, is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels, giving your customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. With over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto, buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. Dragon Pay is your trusted choice for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit Dragon Pay is. Dragon Pay was named FinTech of the Year at last year's Philippine FinTech Festival in 2020. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the Dragon. For more details, head on over to dragonpay.ph. That's dragonpay.ph. Trust the pioneer. Trust Dragon Pay. And we're back from the break. We're still with Brent Chong, uh, the chief breeding officer of uh, Breeder Dow. Now, I want to understand fundraising part, right? Again, all said and done, you have your Dow, you all, you all have traction, and you're profitable, which is rare. You have an amazing co-founding team who's just, again, it's hard to build a superstar team this good, man. How did you now get into the radar and follow the footsteps of the YGG city world? To get to be the second company that uh, A16Z invested, walk us through fundraising for Breeder Now. You know, I'm going to put like the disclaimer out there. I actually owe this success to the investor who actually funded. Uh, Do you want to name this guy? Because I am super intrigued <laughs> at this moment. You've been like, who is this investor, huh? No, I don't think he's want to be. He, he's the type to want to be named, right? So, okay. so I well, let's just call then, him Owl. If if YGG has an Owl, what what do you want to call him? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Dow Daddy or whatever you want to call. Him. <laughs> okay, Investor X. Let's just say Investor yeah, yeah, yeah. X. Well, he's, he's more than an investor, actually. He's also an advisor for the project, and he also helps with all this, uh, you know, growth Professor and strategy. X, so, okay. So, so, yeah. Professor so, yeah. Okay, X okay. maybe call him, like, Professor X or, or someone. <laughs> like, I owe this success to, actually, him, um, Gabby, and a few of our other, like, investors and friends. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Jeff of YGG, yep. Mark Weinstein of Mechanism. Yep. So these are the guys who actually connected us to all of these individuals. So when we were starting, like when we started our first pitch, I still remember it. Uh, it was over Zoom. And we were like, you know, this is Breeder Dow. Uh, we believe it's going to be the first one. And so when we did our, our race, it wasn't like super huge. Um, prior to that A16Z round, we actually like a, had a seed round. And it's like super small, uh, $2 million race for like a $20 million valuation. Yep. And that's basically how we started it. So we started off as like talking to kind of like a few friends, uh, this investor connecting me to like some of the key investors that he knows would really like this sort of idea. Yeah. We also got in touch early with Gabby Dizon of YGG, um, the likes of IDC, who's very much deep into the play to earn ecosystem and understands the need for such, right? Uh, yeah. for, for a project like Breeder Now. Um, because they're very deep into the space. They know the need and they know the the positioning that we're trying to go for and the right. value that we create uh, in this entire space. 
And so we started off with that really, uh, YGG, IVC uh, mechanism, and a few other like uh, investors. And so after that, um, what happened was there's this N- NFT NYC, uh, again, in the US. Uh, that was last week of October to first week of November. And so the same investor asked me to actually go there. Okay. Because that's where all the investors are going to be. And wow. that's where I get to meet everyone from <laughs> guys like A16G yep. to Delphi to you know, maybe Polychain and all yep. these other like big investors. Mm. And so I did. Like, How did it feel being in person again? And, 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 uh... <laughs> okay, <laughs> this at is so one weird. point, all right. It felt super heavy, and I was super nervous. Okay. I mean, I've been for the for the past few months. I've been sitting in my room, same spot, staring at my computer, well, dealing with a lot of people <laughs> over Zoom, and now yeah. I have to suddenly go out of my comfort zone and transact <laughs> with all of these individuals, which again. It's kind of very, I mean, it's it's not too foreign to me, right? Yeah. But I guess coming from that um, hibernation, right? Yeah. I guess that's very different. This shadow uh, water experience right there. Exactly. So for the first few days, I was basically just following Professor X. Okay. <laughs> and I basically acted as a shadow. <laughs> wow. At least you had so, company. Imagine if you had to go there alone. Dude. Exactly. Exactly. I wouldn't have imagined it. I mean, I wouldn't have even gone. Right? So, yeah. I mean, I don't think I would have, but you know, wow. wouldn't be able to say really. So yeah, I was basically shadowing him. It was opening up all the doors. And not only him, right? Um, Jeff, for example, of YGG also helped. Gabby also helped. Uh, and a lot of other individuals, uh, especially the ones we've already talked to, started opening doors, uh, a lot of doors for us. Yeah. And so we've been doing like a lot of conversations with pretty much like anyone uh, pitching here and there, okay. going to like the events, every single event. Like having jet lag at the same time and being overwhelmed. Well, yes. I mean, four hours of sleep, right? <laughs> and, and like networking every single night, going to right. all these events. Uh, so like basically that's how, you know, that's the life uh, that I had um, in New York. Mm. Mornings, afternoons, and even dinners. We had like meetings straight up after the dinner meeting. Uh We would go to this networking party and basically pitch to like random individuals. (laughs) Wow, in the hopes of like bumping to like you know some investor. But yeah, I'm getting A16Z and Delphi. Uh, it's mostly like with the help of YGG and again, this professor. You don't just bump into those type of guys, you need a warm intro, exactly. Exactly. And we were lucky because, like, you know, the YGG team is very close to them. Uh, they've already built that uh, relationship with them. And, you know, YGG has become like a, kind of like an indicator, right, of any play-to-earn uh, project or play-and-earn project for that matter or any infrastructure that's built around it, right? If yeah. they invest, then it must have like a good positioning or it must have Absolutely. or it must bring like a good value to the entire ecosystem. And so when we had that conversation, it was kind of like, you know, YGG already like gave a, a good background and then we already know like how you fit in this entire ecosystem right. but we want to know more right so so it's more of like a getting to know session more than an actual pitch 
but yeah, I mean, I owe it to them. Uh, we really owe it to them because they basically helped us uh, go through the process. But you don't get to that. Again, people will only open doors. You got to come in and grab it by the neck. And I think you did. So congratulations for Thank doing so that. Much. Now let's talk about okay. the near future. Right. Um, this is freaking exciting because, again, you're solving the demand. I mean, the supply area where a lot of the, 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 the supply is, let's just say, subpar. That ain't going to get even any decent SLP. Good luck. Right. <laughs> With you guys doing this, and again, Philippines is the epicenter of NFT minting, consumption, or ownership, whatever you want to call it. Right. How is this going to affect the games and how people earn from all these play to earn games? Because, like, for example, let's just call it as we speak right now when we're recording this in January 2022, SLP has just plummeted into the depths of hell. Right, but there's always like you know um, rumors of land play and all these things. But how are you gonna impact these ecosystems and also the other games that you're in, like Bajaxi and Krabada, uh, right? How do you impact there, and what's up next with what you guys are now bringing to the table? You know, I'm gonna veer away from Axie Infinity because for the longest time everyone's been focused on Axie Infinity. Got it. But as I've said, the, the, the play to earn space is just starting yeah. and everyone's slowly going to move into like all of these other games. Correct. And I do acknowledge, you know, Axie Infinity has done like a huge, uh, has done like, like, like something huge here. And yeah. they basically introduced like the, this play to earn concept to the entire. Uh, yeah, they blew, the, right? they blew the roof wide open, literally exactly. for everybody else, right? Exactly. But like, you know, there are a bunch of other games that are slowly coming out. And that's where we really can add like more value. With Axie Infinity, it's basically trying to create that network of guilds who we know have already experienced or has had like a taste of what play to earn can really provide, right? Got it. But it's more of like, uh, we want to focus more on these other games because ultimately it's not at least for the scholars, it's all about earnings, right? But with the managers, it's all about like ROI. It's not as simple as how much you can earn on a daily basis, but how yeah. fast you can recover all of these costs. And that's ultimately what we're trying to um, help them see, right? So if, for example, you have someone like Breeder Dao, whose sole task or whose sole focus was to be able to create all of these assets in anticipation of that demand, in preparation of that huge influx of demand, that would normally create what we call like a supply crunch, right. which would eventually lead to like higher prices, right? So having breeder DAO, not in the sense of like controlling or manipulating these prices, but by generating these assets to be able to allow for more supply in the marketplace, which inherently reduces the price of these assets and therefore reduces the cost to entry. Correct. And inevitably like reduces the time it takes for you to recover your investment as well it's balanced so, exactly right so it's more of like tipping that scale um back to the center creating mm -hmm. that balance um and really driving a more sustainable or creating a more sustainable growth for the ecosystem so that's amazing and you know at the end of the day you the the, the end or the end goal really is you don't have a deficit nor you don't have a surplus right because when Things, these things tip into the scale too much. Those, those are never good. So again, it's easier point of entry, easier ROI, happier managers, meaning happier scholars. 
Because imagine if you have a dearth of too much scholars, uh, too much man, uh, too uh, too few managers that are unhappy. For say, it's never good. And we're kind of seeing that a little bit in Axie right now. SLP is plummeted. You know, a lot of managers unloading their assets because they don't they can't go ROI. They're just saying that they're they're just technically only the scholars are making money and they're all broke, yep. right? And all their <laughs> all their their axes are shit. You know, they yep. <laughs> they get bamboozled right away. Yep. Right. So that's good because this again contributes to a more mature ecosystem. If Playturn is gonna realize its full potential. You need someone that, or you need a, an entity that allows people to be able to balance things out. Because when there's too much, too much supply or too much demand, that's never good, right? I mean, there's still gonna be some hiccups for sure. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of pain. We're gonna have to go through a lot of pain and metamorphosis. But at least people are now building some infrastructure and not just building games. Because yes, if you have too true. much games and you have you you don't have quality NFTs, then good luck. Right now, right before I let you go, what what's what's up next for you guys? So you, I know this is just a start, yeah. I mean, even done your token sale yet. What are we gonna be looking forward to for the rest of twenty twenty two and for the next years to come? You know, in the short term, what we're really gonna drive towards is expanding our network of games and guilds, trying to uh, really grow our fund and our asset base. And then in terms of like the community, really build that community that shares that vision, right? The long-term goal for us really is to provide, to, uh, to, to give accessibility to all of the tools that we have to the public. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, it's not going to be us who's going to do like the mass production of these assets. We're going to open these mass production tools for the community to be able to use, right? Yeah. You can stake our tokens and then you'll get access to that virtual capacity where you're able to you know, create a lot of these assets yourself by leveraging off the tool by leveraging off the tools that we have. Aside from that, we will also open like uh, our analytics tools. Um, wow. We're able to see like all of these marketplace data, identify which traits are being sold off the marketplace, and then you know create all sorts of secondary or complementary products to breeder DAO, which would ultimately help the entire uh, play to earn ecosystem. That is amazing. Now. Last question before I let you go. Why, uh, YGG kind of answered this as well in their last thing. And they said that there's more coming up. Just give us an idea. What is coming up in the, in the NFT play to earn? What, from what do you know from the ecosystem? Because if this isn't the, the, that thing that allows you to then tell you that, my God, this is real. The metaverse is real. Web3 is here. From what you know, but don't reveal too much. What's coming up in this ecosystem, especially coming on coming in from our sided world in the Philippines? You know, I think there's already been a lot of rumors going around where a lot of these traditional businesses, right? Uh, the, the bigger ones, yeah. the ones in gaming, the ones in retail are slowly seeping into like the play to earn. In fact, I'm not wow. sure if you're following, but Adidas, Nike. Yep. They've all started like entering the space, right? Yep. And once they do, it's gonna be like really massive, and it's gonna allow for like a mass adoption. So I think we don't know exactly how they're gonna turn the tides, right? Yeah. But them coming in shows that there's really a huge value here, right? And them coming in creates like a, a huge sign that everyone should, and this is gonna be the future. 
So we don't know where that future is going to take us, but definitely that's a good sign, right? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Again, thank you very much, Renz, for such an amazing episode. Now, if people want to reach out to you or again, uh, try Breeder DAO and again, use and create and mint their own uh, NFTs and whatnot, where do they go and how do they do that? Uh, well, right now, they can't mint their own uh, or they can't use the tools yet because that's not made available for public. But uh, they can stay in touch, you know. Um, they can reach me via LinkedIn, Telegram, Twitter. I feel like um, after this fundraise, I'm pretty much like an open book. You can reach me like anywhere, <laughs> and yep. even Facebook. So, yeah, I mean, feel free to reach out, uh, especially for the builders out there who would want some you know, tips or maybe... Uh, an idea on how to start where to start like feel free to reach out and stay tuned guys um we have lots of things to announce um we have official telegram groups and official twitter accounts where you can follow and uh i guess see our updates we will definitely stay tuned and we'll be all be rooting for you and all the nfts and metaverse companies from the philippines but uh, again before i let you all follow us with whatever podcast after listening to whether it's spotify Apple podcast or any f- favorite app. But if you are listening to Spotify and you see a couple stars there, give us a five star so that we can actually know if you actually like our content or not. And again, if we did say some jargon, which I think we did, it's going to be the show notes on hustleshare.com. And again, if we do want to be part of our community in Hustleshare, it's going to be the Hustleshare community on Facebook. Again, Renz, thank you very much. Thank you so much, Ron. It's a pleasure. All right. And I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace.